Is it possible to change? That's the question we're addressing during the month of January because every year at this time, millions of people make resolutions. They make resolutions that they desire to keep, resolutions to change. And yet by Valentine's Day, six weeks later, 80% of those who have made resolutions have failed, they have given up, they have thrown in the towel. So the question we've got to ask is this, is change possible? Now last week we discovered that it is. Change is possible, but not on our own. The Bible says it this way in Jeremiah. It asks a question, it says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard change its spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. In other words, you and I are powerless to change ourselves. There may be areas of our life that, that we can change. There may be things in our life that we can control. But there are other areas of our life that we will never be able to change. And to be truthful at the root, at the core of who we are, we will never be able to change ourselves. But the good news is... God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. You see, when we surrender to Jesus, He can do in us and through us and for us what we could never do for ourselves. But here's the key. You've got to let go and you've got to let God. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said, for God is working in you, both giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Uh, don't miss what that says. God is working in you. God is working on the inside of you, giving you the desire to do what pleases Him, to change. And He has given you the power to do what pleases Him, to change. Now listen, that's where lasting change Begins. It begins on the inside. We are changed on the inside, and then we begin to see change on the outside. The truth is, you and I will never ever be able to change on the inside or the outside until we truly change on the inside. That's why the inside needs to be the focus of our lives. Think of it this way. Have you ever heard someone say, when someone dies unexpectedly, I can't believe this. He or she was a picture of, what do they say? Health. I can't believe this. They were a picture of health. In other words, as they looked at them on the outside, everything looked good. Everything looked healthy. There was no evidence of sickness, and yet they died. Why? Well, the reason is because there was something wrong on the inside. Uh, do you know what the number one killer in America is? It's not violent crimes. It's not traffic accidents. It's not suicide or a host of other things. The number one killer in America does its work on the inside. It's heart disease. Uh, close to six. 100,000 people die every year in America because of heart disease. And that's 25% 
of all the people who die in the United States, they die because of heart disease. 80 million Americans have some form of heart disease. Now, what is tragic is this. Many people, probably some of us in this room right now, are walking time bombs. We have heart problems that we don't even know about, and those heart problems have the potential to kill us. But listen, what is true physically is true spiritually on a much larger scale. Every single one of us, everyone in this room is struggling with spiritual heart disease. And if we ever want to see lasting change in our life, then we must deal with our heart. And let me say that again. Every one of us, not some of us, not most of us, but, but all of us struggle with spiritual heart disease. And until we deal with the heart, we will never see lasting change. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is talk with you about four truths that the Bible says about our heart. The first one is this. The heart is the key to our life with God. If you want a life with God, both now and forever, it begins in the heart. Uh, listen to what God said to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Don't miss what that says. What he is saying there is the heart is the key to our life with God. Now, what the Bible is saying here is this. Man has a tendency to look at the outward appearance, how, how we look, how we act, what we say, what we do. But that's not God's focus. And you need to understand that. We focus on the externals, but not God. God focuses on the internal. God focuses on the heart. Now, that word heart is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. But understand, in Jewish thought, the heart wasn't some muscle that was pumping in your chest, causing blood to flow through your body. No, that's not what the heart was. The heart was the center of mankind. The heart was the place where your thoughts originated, where, where your, your um, will originated, where your emotions originated, where your desire originated. Everything in life, according to Jewish belief, flowed from the heart. And that's why Solomon said in, in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life. Everything, everything in life flows from your heart. You need to guard your heart. You need to check your heart. You need to make sure your heart is right. Thomas Kramer lived in the 16th century. He was the, the leader of the English Reformation. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I want you to listen to what Thomas Cranmer said because it was an incredible word. He said, what the heart loves... The will chooses and the mind justifies. The mind doesn't direct the will. The mind is actually captive to what the will wants. And the will itself, in turn, is captive to what the heart wants. Did you get that? You see, the heart is central to everything that we do. It's central to what we think. It's central to how we feel. It is central to how we 
act. And God is looking at the heart. Now, a good example of this is found in Acts 8. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we see a story of Philip. Philip was one of the, the first deacons in the early church. And, and because of the persecution that had occurred in Jerusalem, Philip and many of the Christians were scattered throughout the Roman world. And, and, and Philip landed in Samaria. And when Philip landed in Samaria, he began to tell people about the most important thing in his life. And the most important thing in his life was Jesus. And so he began to tell people about Jesus. And when he did, lives were changed. God showed up and miracles occurred, but but lives were changed. And people were giving their lives to Jesus. And they were following that in baptism. And one of the people that made this decision, the Bible says in verse 13... To believe and to be baptized was a man named Simon. Now, the Bible says that once Simon believed and he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere. Now, can I say to you, that's the kind of church members pastors want. Now, not stalking. Not, not that. Not someone who is, you know, on the prowl trying to spy on them but someone who is following them saying, what can I do? How can I help? What do you need? This was the kind of man that Simon was. But listen to what it says beginning in verse 14. If your Bible is open, it says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he offered them money and he said, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you. Now that word perish is a strong word. It means to die eternally. May your money die eternally with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Now, if you've read this story before, you know that Simon was a magician. And, and the Bible tells us that many people were captivated. They were mesmerized by Simon's abilities as a magician, and they followed him. But when Philip came and started preaching Jesus, and the Holy Spirit began to change people's lives, they quit following Simon, and they started following Jesus. And therefore, Simon started following Jesus. But when he saw what the power of the Holy Spirit could do in a person's life, he said, I want this power because it's going to draw attention to me. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, could look on the inside of him and he said, your money perish with you because your heart is not right before God. Don't 
miss that. He said, your heart is not right. Simon was doing everything that you and I would say that he needed to do. He believed. That's what the Bible says. He was baptized. He was following Philip everywhere. And yet the Bible says that his heart was not right with God and he was in danger of perishing eternally. Hear me. Your heart, not your actions, is the key to your life with God. Even your beliefs. And you need to understand that you can believe things up here to be true. And yet, if you haven't been changed in here, you're not saved. You don't have a relationship with God. Paul tells us that clearly in Romans 10. He tells us that it is belief that originates in the heart, that saves, that that transforms. Listen to what he said. He said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Why? For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. Paul said, it's the heart that you've got to believe with, Not the head. Why? Because the heart, not the mind, is the center of your will. It is the center of your desire. It is the center of your actions. We do what our heart leads us to do. We do. That's why we don't need to first of all change our mind. That comes. But before we ever focus on changing our mind, we need to let God change our heart. We need a brand new heart. Several years ago, there was a debate in in Baptist life about asking Jesus into your heart. We even debated this on the floor of of a meeting and and people were talking about we shouldn't ask Jesus into your heart. And and one prominent pastor, I'm not going to mention his name, very well known, very well respected by me. He said, asking Jesus into your heart is a silly superstition. That leads many people astray. And I heard that and I said, you're a smart guy. I know you love Jesus. But you are so wrong there. Now understand, I know that praying some prayer by rote, quoting what a pastor says, will never ever save you. And it will never ever change your life. And yet the Bible makes it clear that the heart is the center of our life with God. And if I want a life with God, my heart has to be right with God. And so why wouldn't I ask Jesus into my heart? Why wouldn't I want Him to control my heart? Because the center of a relationship with God, the key to a relationship with God, is a change of heart. But here's the problem. The heart is the... The key to a relationship with God, the heart is the key to life with God, but, but our heart is damaged. We, we need our heart to be right with God, to have a relationship with God, but, but our heart is damaged. And we were born with a heart problem, a heart that has been damaged by sin. Now, now some of you are probably asking, how can my heart be damaged by sin before I was ever born, before I ever even have the opportunity to make choices, before I can ever make decisions? How is my heart damaged by sin? Well, well, back when we lived in Titusville, Florida, we had friends who adopted three crack babies. 
their, their mothers were addicted to crack cocaine. And they had been using crack cocaine throughout their pregnancy. And, and because of that, they warned the people who were adopting there could be all kind of problems, health concerns, because of this addiction that their mother had. Her ingesting and taking in these drugs that, that enter through um, her, her placenta to the baby can affect the baby. You and I both know... And we probably have met people who, who have children who are infected by, by disease because of choices they've made or, or by something they've been exposed to. You see, you and I know that, that children can be born with an illness, with a defect, because of choices that parents make or because of things that their parents have been exposed to. And if that's the case physically, you need to understand it is the case spiritually. You and I are infected by sin because of the choice of our original ancestors, Adam and Eve. They chose to rebel against God, sin against God, and that choice that caused them to become sinners has been passed down to each and every one of us. Now we can talk about children having tender hearts, and many of them do, but they also have sick hearts that have been damaged by sin. And, and because of that, we need to understand that our heart does three things. First of all, it deceives us. Jeremiah said this. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. I'm sure you've heard people say before, trust your heart. Have you ever heard someone say that? Just trust your heart. Can I tell you, look at me, look at me. That's the craziest thing someone can ever tell you. Don't trust your heart because the heart is deceitful above all things. God says, don't trust your heart. Your heart will lead you astray. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to who have followed their hearts into unwise decisions, destructive, damaging relationships, terrible choices, all because they felt, this is what my heart is leading me to do. That's why the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Why does the fool say in our heart that there is no God? Is it because... There is no evidence that God exists? Absolutely not. It's because the sinful heart deceives. And it leads us astray. And the sinful heart even causes us to believe lies as truth. Don't trust your heart. The heart is deceptive. Second of all, the heart directs us. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6. He said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever heard someone say this after they've said something that they wish they wouldn't have said? They say something like this, I don't know what came over me. I didn't mean that. Have you ever heard someone say that? And I want to look at him and say, yes, you did. If you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. Because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
If it comes out of the mouth, it's in the heart. Now, now you may regret it the moment after you say it, and you may wish you wouldn't have said it, and you may want to change how you feel, but when you said it, you felt it. Because our heart directs us. But our heart not only directs what we say, our heart directs how we live. Our heart directs our actions. When I sit in my chair at home with a six-pack of beer or a, or a fifth of liquor, and I drink until I'm drunk to, to take away the fear and the pain in my life, I can say I wish that I didn't drink, but that's not true. I'm directed because my heart wants the alcohol. When, when, when I go home at night and I turn on that computer and, and I click on that pornographic site, even as shame fills my mind, I can say I don't really want to do this, but yes, I do. Because my heart is directing my actions. When I go out to work and I begin to say suggestive things to someone who is not my spouse, and I go, wait a minute, that's not right. I don't want to do that. Yes, I do. I would have never said it if I didn't want to do it because it is out of the heart that our life is directed. My heart wants to do, and it directs my life. And finally... The Bible says not only does our heart deceive and direct, our heart defiles us. In Matthew 15, Jesus said this. Listen to what it says. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean, for it is out of the heart That evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. That word unclean that we see over and over there means to pollute. It means to profane. It means to to make vile or dirty or unholy. And 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 what what Jesus said is that what makes us unholy is not what comes out of the mouth, but what originates in the heart. And, and, and if I am murdering and if I am involved in sexual immorality and if I am stealing and, and lying, then it's not because my actions are wrong and my heart follows. It's because my heart is led toward those things and my actions inevitably follow. Listen to the rest of Jeremiah 17 verse 9. This is so important. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And that word wicked is an interesting word. It it is used to describe a pain or a wound that is uncurable. The heart is deceptive above all things and it's desperately wicked. The heart has caused a pain, a wound in you that is incurable. So, So here's what the Word of God says. The problem isn't our dirty thoughts. The problem isn't our sexual sins. The problem isn't our lying and our cheating and our stealing. That's not the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. The problem is our heart. Our heart is polluted. It's vile. It's dirty. It's unclean. It's sick. And it's incurable. And you can't fix your heart. You can't change your heart. No one can. And because of that. 
Our hearts being defiled. If we're not careful, our hearts will become hardened toward God. Listen to what it says in Exodus 7. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen. Now, now many people focus on, on passages that come after that passage where it talks about God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. And I think we get confused there. Because understand, God didn't say, I'm going to harden this man's heart so that he will not repent, he will not turn to me. That's not what the Scripture says. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart initially. And then God gave him what he wanted. You see, you and I can harden our heart toward God to the point that we no longer hear God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 13. He said, for this people's hearts have become callous. And that's a dangerous place to have a calloused heart. To have our heart become so hardened toward God that we can't or we won't hear Him and respond. Now, now... What can we do to reach a hardened heart? I mean, can you? Is there any way to take a heart that has been hardened with sin and see it change? Well, I believe we can, but we need to understand that it's only God's Word that can penetrate a hard heart. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 4. For the Word of God is living and active is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and mirrors. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You see what the Bible says? God's Word penetrates the heart. It cuts deep down within us, and it gets to the heart of the issue. Understand The Bible is not just a natural book. It is a natural book, but it is also a supernatural book with supernatural power. It seems like when people hear the Word of God, they are never neutral on it. They either respond with joy and receive it, or they respond with anger and not only reject it, They fight against it. Did you know that the Bible is the most attacked book in human history? I mean, people try to destroy the Bible. They they seek to remove it from the classroom. They say it is irrelevant to our discussions. Whenever it's brought up, they say you can't use the Bible. Why? Because the Bible cuts down to the heart of the issue and it cuts the heart. And people don't like what it says. I mean, people don't like their heart examined. People don't like their heart exposed. Because when the heart is examined and the heart is exposed and we see that it is wicked, then we are going to cry out in need or we're going to cry out in anger. Let me give you some passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 2. Verse 37 says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter was preaching on Pentecost. He preached that it was their sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. They were convicted. They were cut to the heart. The Word of God had penetrated their heart. And they said, What do we need to do? And the Bible says 3,000 of the men who gladly received the Word were baptized. In other words, they heard the Word. They responded in humility And they gave their hearts to Jesus. But let's move on. In Acts 5 verse 33 it says this. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Now you may say, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? The word furious is the same Greek word for cut. In Acts chapter 2, when it says they were cut to the heart. Right here, when it says they were furious, it says they were cut. And they wanted to put them to death. What happened? The word of God cut into them. And the result was they wanted to kill the ones who shared the message. They were angry. They were furious that someone would dare say this based upon this book. And they wanted to kill them. Acts chapter 7 verse 54. When they heard this, they were furious And gnashed their teeth at him. The word furious is again the same word. When they heard this, they were cut and they gnashed their teeth. Now, I I don't know if I've ever seen anybody gnash their teeth. But I don't think it's good, do you? I I mean, I would think that if you're gnashing your teeth, you're kind of angry, wouldn't you? And so here's the thing. When the word of God cuts into our life, reveals our sin which it always does, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to respond in humility, crying out to God, or we're going to get angry at what the Word of God says. But understand, the Word of God is the only thing that can change us. And when we respond to the Word of God, penetrating and cutting our heart with humility, then God intervenes, and hear me, God does what only God can do. He gives us a new heart. I want you to listen. You don't need your heart repaired. Your heart is damaged beyond repair. You need God to give you a new heart. And and I don't understand it. I can't explain it. And this is in the realm of the supernatural that we simply have to accept by faith. And when we experience it, we know it's true. But when we respond in humility to God, saying, I need you, He changes us on the inside. He does what only He can do. It's not that I want to live different. No, it's that everything is different. How we look at God, how we look at ourselves, our desires, our intents, our motivations, they all change. And hear me, that doesn't mean that, that we'll never fall back into old patterns and old behaviors. It doesn't mean that we, we won't fall down from time to time. We will, but in the inside, on the inside, We have been changed. I love what it says in Ezekiel 36 verse 26. It says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. 
and give you a heart of flesh. What God is saying there is, is I will take your hard, sinful heart and I will replace it with a heart that is soft, a heart that is sensitive to my spirit, a heart that desires me. That was David's cry in, in Psalm 51 when he committed those terrible sins of adultery and then murder. Do you remember that? And, and in Psalm 51, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. He didn't say, God, okay, I'm ready to turn over a new leaf. He didn't say that. He said, God, I need you to do what only you can do. Change my heart. Do you need a new heart? I'm here to tell you that the only way you can have lasting change, eternal change, is to have your heart changed. You can focus on the actions. You can focus on the words. You can focus on all of those externals. And and you may have some change for a while. But it is not until you're changed from the inside, that the outside has any hope of permanent change. Do you need God to give you a new heart? You see, change is possible, but not on our own. It's God who works in us, giving us both the desire and the power to do His will, His good pleasure. God's got to work in us. And the place that He begins... Is the heart. Does he have your heart? Has he changed your heart? I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. I I want you just to think for just a moment before God. I I want you to examine your life. The Bible says, search me, O God. Know my heart. That's what David said. And what I want to challenge you to do right now and in the stillness of this moment is to ask God to search you because He knows your heart. And reveal to you whether your heart's been changed. And if your heart hadn't been changed, through God taking your heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh, God taking your heart that is hardened by sin, dominated by sin, and giving you a heart that desires Him more than anything else. If your heart hadn't been changed, then I beg you, I plead with you this morning, don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't think about it. You know in this moment whether your heart's been changed. If you're here and your heart hasn't been changed, then humble yourself before God. Acknowledge that you need a new heart and ask Him to give you one today. You can do this like this and understand it's not praying the words. There's nothing magical. There's nothing mysterious about these words. But if it comes from a humble heart, God will hear and God will answer. So if you need God to give you a new heart, you can pray this prayer to him this morning. Dear God, I come to you this morning admitting my need. 
My best is not good enough. I continue to fall. I'm never going to be good enough. I need you. I need you to forgive me. And I believe that's why you died on the cross. You died on the cross to pay for my sins so that I can be forgiven. Forgive me. And I need you to change me. I believe that's why you rose from the grave. Not only to defeat sin, but defeat death, spiritual death that we are all under. You can give us a new life and a new heart. Give me that new heart today. Change me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Make me brand new. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Thank you for hearing me. Amen.